You're listening to Precinct 444, a podcast network from the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today we're bringing you an episode from Icons, where listeners are introduced to incredible people working within the law enforcement community who have made a profound impact in our world. These one-on-one interviews provide insight into their lives and careers so we can better understand their challenges and recognize their bravery, commitment, and sacrifice. Black Trailblazers in Blue honors the service and sacrifice of Black law enforcement officers throughout history and highlights some of the key individuals who have made a significant mark on the history of Black law enforcement and law enforcement in general. In today's special Black Trailblazers in Blue episode of Icons, we are going to examine the stories of two figures in Black law enforcement history whose contributions to law enforcement played a significant role in fighting extreme racism in the wake of the civil rights movement. Our first figure is actually featured in the History Beat exhibit here at the National Law Enforcement Museum, and the second is a published author, and his story was actually depicted in Spike Lee's 2018 film, The Black Klansman. Both of these triumphant stories show the significant role that Black officers have played in the field's history and made a great impact on the policing in our communities. We will begin with the story of Sheriff Lucius Amerson, the first Black sheriff to be elected in the Deep South since Reconstruction. Macon County, Alabama, has been a place for progress for African Americans since 1881, when Booker T. Washington founded the Tuskegee University, which was initially known as the Tuskegee Normal School. African American leaders from all fields have made their mark on Macon County's history, including in the field of law enforcement, when in 1967, Lucius Amerson was elected as the first Black sheriff in the Deep South since Reconstruction. Sheriff Amerson was elected to office soon after the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was passed. This lifted many of the barriers that had previously kept the largely African-American population of Macon County from voting. Amerson was an Army veteran, and many from his community saw his election as a sign of progress for all Black Americans who were fighting for equality and against police brutality. Amerson's historic election made national headlines and earned him a congratulatory telegram from Vice President Hubert H. Humphrey, as well as an invitation to the White House to meet President Lyndon B. Johnson. But it wasn't fame and glory that inspired Amerson to run for sheriff. While his name is rightfully etched into the annals of both Black and law enforcement history, he described in a speech to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference shortly after his election that his motivation to run was simply to protect and not oppress the members of his community. As sheriff, he pledged hatred toward no man, as well as fair and impartial enforcement for Black and white alike. At one point in his career, he was quoted as saying that he ran because, quote, The time has come when the white citizens of Alabama and other states must realize Negroes can perform jobs in higher places with proficiency and dignity and that they will do their jobs for the best interest of all people. Sheriff Amerson valiantly served Macon County from 1967 to 1987. During his tenure as Macon County Sheriff, he saw some of the country's most turbulent days for American race relations. However, Sheriff Amerson's election and subsequent re-elections as the first Black sheriff in the South since Reconstruction paved the way for many other Black leaders to ascend in the Deep South. His legacy lives on in many different ways. One of the most notable is through the work of the National Association of Black Law Enforcement Executives, also known as NOBLE. 
Sheriff Amerson was one of the founding members of Noble at its inception in 1976. Noble was founded during a symposium in Washington, D.C., which brought together 60 of the brightest and most ambitious minds in Black law enforcement in an effort to exchange their views of the critically high rate of crime in Black urban communities and come up with solutions to better serve and police these communities. The delegates from 24 states and 50 major cities were prepared to discuss the socioeconomic conditions that led to crime and violence and raised questions about the relevant issues, such as fairness in the administration of justice, police community relations, and the hiring and promotion of Black police officers. But when the conversation got started, it was soon decided that Black law enforcement executives could have a significantly more effective impact upon the entire criminal justice system if they had a unified voice and an official organization to support them. With this decision, the original agenda for the symposium was all but scrapped, and a new agenda was created in favor of creating Noble. Sheriff Amerson was among these 60 delegates, and with him were figures like Bishop Robinson, who was Baltimore's first African-American police commissioner, and criminologist and celebrated Tuskegee Airman Gwyn Pearson. These leaders were among the most prestigious of their time, and they continue to have a lasting mark on the history of law enforcement today. Today, Noble boasts nearly 60 chapters and represents over 3,000 members worldwide who represent chief executive officers and command-level law enforcement officials from federal, state, county, and municipal law enforcement agencies, as well as other criminal justice practitioners. They continue their commitment to equity in the administration of law enforcement and to serve as the conscience of law enforcement, advocating for justice through action. Sheriff Amerson's story also lives on here at the National Law Enforcement Museum. A collection of his personal artifacts are on display, including a pair of sunglasses, a badge, and his nameplate from his uniform. Sheriff Amerson's son, Anthony Amerson, is also a major supporter of the museum and its programming. Earlier this week, we released a special episode of Icons featuring Anthony Amerson. In the episode, he discusses his experience growing up with such a history-making father and reflects on how that experience helped to shape him throughout his own life in conversation with our manager of community engagement, Madison Heitzenrader. And while Lucius Amerson's election marked a crucial milestone in both the Deep South and in Black law enforcement history in the wake of the civil rights movement, but before I leave you today... I want to talk about another figure in Black law enforcement history, whose story is just as fascinating as Sheriff Amerson's, but takes place in a far different region of the country from the Deep South. I'm taking you to Colorado Springs, Colorado, to introduce you to Ron Stallworth, who you may know better as the Black Klansman. When Ron Stallworth joined the Colorado Springs Cadet Program, an initiative designed by the Colorado Springs PD to bring more minorities into the department during the 1970s, he had no idea that he would successfully infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan, not only as a law enforcement officer, but also as a black man. At the age of 22, Stallworth became the Colorado Springs Police Department's youngest and first African-American detective. He was assigned to the department's intelligence section of the narcotics unit. And in 1978, Stallworth came across an anonymous classified ad for a local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan with a P.O. box. So he sent a letter, posing as a white man, looking to gain more information and potential membership. A week after sending the letter, he got a call from the local chapter organizer, who told him that if he wanted to join, he was in, which posed a bit of a problem. 
Stallworth knew he could not attend a meeting in person, so he called upon his partner, a fellow Colorado Springs detective who was white, for help. It was decided that this officer would act as Stallworth for in-person meetings with Klan members, but Stallworth himself would maintain contact with members of the organization over the phone. The pair conducted the undercover operation for months. Over this time, Stallworth and his team sabotaged multiple cross burnings, exposed white supremacists in the military who served at the city's nearby military bases with NORAD, and directly combated domestic terrorism in the Colorado Springs area. A highlight of the investigation involved Stallworth speaking to and ultimately befriending the Klan's Grand Wizard, David Duke. The two shared nearly weekly phone calls, and Duke was at one point quoted as mentioning that the fictional Stallworth was a promising recruit. Stallworth's investigation only ended when he was offered the position of chapter organizer. And while he was ready to accept and continue the investigation, the chief of the Colorado Springs Police Department intervened. Stallworth believes that despite its rather quiet ending, the success of the investigation lay not with what happened, but with what was prevented from happening, including the prevention of both bombings and cross burnings during the duration of the investigation. Stallworth eventually left the Colorado Springs Police Department to assist other police departments around the country to establish their own undercover gang and vice units. All this time, he kept the story of his KKK investigation under wraps. Upon his retirement from law enforcement in 2005, Stallworth was interviewed by Deseret News reporter Deborah Bulkley about his career and his most notable cases. And of course, the KKK investigation came to the top. In 2014, Stallworth finally wrote his experience infiltrating the Klan in his memoir, appropriately titled The Black Klansman. And in 2018, the memoir was adapted into a major motion picture directed by Spike Lee. John David Washington, the son of Academy Award-winning director Denzel Washington, plays Stallworth in the film. Stallworth has mentioned in both his book and many interviews that he still carries the KKK membership card that is emblazoned with his name that he earned as part of this investigation. The stories we covered today are among my favorites that we still cover. Sheriff Amerson's story is one of our favorites here at the museum, and Ron Stallworth's story is just a fascinating look at how creative investigation techniques and some quick thinking can lead to greater progress in the field of law enforcement as a whole. Remember to listen to our recent Icons interview with Sheriff Amerson's son, Anthony Amerson, here on Precinct 444, and check out some of our other shows on the network as well. You can find Precinct 444 wherever you find your podcasts. As always, thank you to Christopher Mitchell for producing today's episode, and thank you for listening. We hope to see you again at The Precinct very soon. Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to precinct444 at nleomf.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the precinct. Thank you.